Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Oh, thank you, mm. mister. Hey, would you like some sandwiches? <laughs> I don't know. There's I concessions do. being sold in our in our studio audience for the official mm. Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, um, a, a a beholder sandwich. Like beholder meat? Yeah, like with like the tendrils no. in there. No. That'd be gross. I thought you were saying maybe it's a beholder that is serving the audience because oh. they can pass... Balance a sandwich on all of their little eye stalks. Now that, that's a lot more amazing and family friendly, honestly. Yeah. Than eye stalks in a sandwich, because that would be pretty, pretty gross. I don't think I would eat that. Maybe. You're Greg Tito. I'm Greg Tito, and you are Shelly Madsenoble. And we are excited to talk to V Muse, uh, otherwise known yeah. as the Crafting Muse. Uh, on Twitter, and uh, she makes amazing stuff in miniature form, uh, as well as a performer uh, for various Dungeon D shows, Dungeon Master Extraordinaire, and uh, I can't wait to talk to her about Tiamat. I, uh, I, when I saw Tiamat, you're the first person I thought of, Greg. Oh, me? Yeah. Not Tiamat? Because you didn't you... think of Tiamat? You thought of... Oh, I guess she's not a real I mean, person. I guess. No. What do you bite your tongue? Bite your tongue. <laughs> bite your five-headed tongues. Bite all five of them, um, because you were you're still geeking out on the the other whiz kids dragon that you were so excited about, and it's then true. I saw Tiamat. I'm like, he's not going to be able to handle this. You're I just not going to be able. It looks so how amazing. How cool is Tiamat? I know. As someone who uh, you know, in some ways, was introduced to D and D through uh, watching the D and D cartoon, uh, and and Tiamat, you know, being the villain uh, as portrayed in that, occasionally, uh, you know, seeing that kind of through line of like getting the actual physical mini in the style and scale uh, that uh, she's going to be on through uh, what we saw in the preview for IGN. Gosh, it just it feel it was this nice little is this is this real life moment. Uh, seeing mm-hmm. it. So strange. Yeah, so she's made to scale. Yeah. Like, compared to, like, your player's mini. Think about your player's mini and then the size of that thing. I know. So, who in their right mind would fight her? You're gonna have to be, like, you know, 20th level and tons of magic items and uh, figure out a way to... to you know, the Dungeon Master's got to have some quests that you need to depower her or power you up, right? Something needs to to give because it is a yes. huge uh, undertaking. Yes. I think even, I mean, I don't know. I've never gotten up to 20th level. Have you? Have you played at 20th level? I have in my 3.5 uh, character mm. days. Uh, I think I got up to 22. Did you feel like you could take on a character like Tiamat? Yeah, yes, because, you, well, especially with the group, you know, you need to uh, figure out the synergies of how to do it. And after a while, obviously, the crunchiness of 3.5 allowed you to do, like, you know, 100 damage or 150 damage around. And so, all of a sudden, with a, a huge monster that's got, like, 2,500 HP or something like that, it becomes a lot more doable, um, Especially with like resurrections happening on the fly and things like that, yeah. So every big bad oh we had God. a fight back then. Jeez, yeah, we had to get we had to bring back downed members uh, throughout the fight in order to, uh, you know, finally pull it out. Uh, it's so it's that's above my character level for sure. 
No, I don't think I've ever played past nine. It can be like super fun. always like, I know, I really want to. It's a different feel, right? Because you're almost doing these epic uh, superpower storylines rather than, you know, beating up rats or rescuing someone from an owlbear, you know? Rats. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay your dues somewhere. But yeah, it was, would be super cool to use some of those spells I always just read about in the player's handbook. One day. Yeah. yeah. One day I'm going to learn that spell. One day I'm going to wish for a wish spell. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk to V about all of that, yeah. including uh, the you know ways to get into painting minis and uh, you know using English degrees for good and not for evil, all of the fun stuff. Um, and before that, I want to talk about what's going on with Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which is coming out May 18th has details about all of the domains of dread that you remember uh, and brought up to date for uh, modern audiences and, and, and what's going on with those domains of dread is exciting. And Wes Schneider has been joining me for some lore you should know on, on uh, various domains. So you'll get some of that in this episode as well. That's, that's going to be, that's a good one. Yeah. You're lucky you get to talk to Wes about horror and scary things. Yeah. Yeah, as well as like how you can use um, horror in, you know, a and d game that's based on it, as well as, you know, just using that in, in uh, you know, regular games. I think that's something we even talk about with V as well. Yeah, yeah. Drop little bits here and there. Yeah. Keep it interesting. Keep your players on their toes. Anticipation is the hardest part. Wait, no, that's not how the song goes. But something like that. Isn't it? <laughs> Waiting, waiting is the hardest part. That's that. That's right. That's a song. I'm sure it is. I, I keep waiting, and, wanting and for many, you to sing it. I don't. I don't think I know what song it is. <laughs> I have that that Carly Simon song in my head. Anticipation that was also used on Heinz ketchup commercial. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Yes. Yeah. One of one of yeah. many Gen X references uh in this episode for y'all. Yes. They are they are definite this episode is definitely riddled with some Gen <laughs> X love. <laughs> not that we would know. I mean, I've only read about Gen X because I'm clearly not old enough to be Gen X. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, you are uh, uh Keisha's yeah. age, right? Or Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I'm I don't even I'm like what Gen Z? <laughs> Yeah, we'll go with that. That, that makes like sense. Eight. Awesome. Anyway. This is, uh, this is turning into a horror story as it is. It's going here. Really so. is. I'm just so excited to get to the interview. Yeah, let's get uh, and to hear Wes. Wes Schneider on the line, and then we will follow up with V News. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. This is where I talk to the wonderful D&D folks about uh, little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore that is in upcoming books and just for you to know and use in your games if you're interested. And today I'm talking to Wes Schneider. Hi, Wes. Hey. We, uh, you're the lead designer for Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, so of course we're jumping into another domain of dread to discuss, which is Dementliu, which I have been practicing pronouncing for, for many months. Yeah, like, as we got into this, I was just thinking, like, 
oh shoot, do either of us actually speak French? <laughs> are, are we going to be able to pull this off? So I'm glad that one of us has it nailed. <laughs> I am not, I'm not French by uh, training or birth, so it's, it's hard sometimes. I mean, that's that's definitely one of the things that you see coming up in the domains of dread a lot is that like many of them wear their cultural background or the the horror stories that inspire them very much on their sleeves. So you can see from Dementlio that there's very much a sort of um, French inspiration to a bunch of the elements in here with like, you know, this more sort of decadent uh, pre uh, revolutions uh sort of society with nobles and like grand galas and whatnot in the yeah. horrors that unfold there. So th- so that's the the general overview of of Dementaliu, right? That this is a uh, kind of elevated monarchy uh, full of, of of decadent fairy tales in a bit? That's the way that we've gone with it, yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of folks who are familiar with Dementaliu from the 90s, that that's not what they're going to be expecting because that's not um that's not how it was presented in its original incarnations. Mm. Yeah, so uh we we have been updating and changing up uh, a lot of the domain. So what was exciting about uh uh taking Dementaliu from uh Ravenloft's pasts and uh inserting this type of um you know decadence uh, uh you know cuz that some of that is really creepy but you know we don't we 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 didn't have a manifestation of that previously yeah so this was a place where dementlio in the 90s lacked focus there was a number of domains of dread formerly in earlier editions of the campaign setting that essentially boiled down to european countryside plus ghost stories, or plus there's werewolves, or whatever have you. Yeah. With Van Richten's guide, we really wanted to make each one of the domains a specific type of themed horror fun house. So, like, you know, Barovia is the perfect example, where it's like, if you're going to Barovia, you're there for vampire times. If you're going to Lamordia, you're there for, you know, Frankenstein-esque mad scientist stuff. What Dementlio had going for it was in the past was sort of vague countryside, slightly French inspired, but through bad Google Translate, plus maybe bad enchantment. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean the, the current incarnation sounds really exciting and you look at even you know the the live action Beauty and the Beast or mm-hmm. or, or some of the other. Um, you know, modern incarnations and 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 storytelling that takes Grimm's fairy tales uh, that got a little bit familyified by a certain company uh, in the in the fifties and sixties, but now is going back towards you know the real horror roots that Grimm, the brothers Grimm, had in their storytelling and bringing that part of it to life in Dementalu is is really interesting. Yes. So that was the direction where we took that history of, you know, enchantment of characters that are at these like, you know, grand balls, these nobilities versus sort of an an impoverished lower class and really played into let's do a domain that feels like fairy tale, that feels like this is Cinderella going to the ball 
but the ball is fundamentally creepy and the fairy godmother is hags and like yeah which probably they were like let's just be honest they were probably hags <laughs> so uh who is the dark lord of dementlieu uh in van richten's guide to ravenloft so in in the new book the dark lord is duchess sadria dianere um, and this is a character who draws some inspirations from the former Dark Lord, uh, Dominic Dionere. Um, but like with the entire domain, we've given her much more of a sort of a tragic Cinderella meets Poe's Mask of the Red Death sort of combination. So she is this character who is obsessed with status and place and making sure that only the finest people come to her events. Like the entire domain is for her pretty much an opportunity to have these self-inflating galas and over-the-top expressions of control and power and decadence, which once you get into your history for her, you'll realize she never had growing up and tragedy ensues. Um, She's new money, I see. (laughs) actually very much, and is trying to hide it. Um, Like, being an imposter is at the root of the new vibe for Dementlio, which, as much as it is a um, fairy tale horror sort of setting um, and plays with, like, these high fantasy elements, it's also a psychological horror setting because everybody who's invited to uh, Duchess Dianeri's grand galas has a secret is lying about something, and none of them ultimately belong. But if they are exposed during these events, the wraith-like Duchess Dianere will just will just smite them immediately. So she's this terrifying presence that everybody sort of needs to be around while also being utterly terrified of her. Ooh, all right. So I kind of like that idea of it not just being a masquerade ball that you're attending, but your entire existence and your life is a masquerade. And if you step out of line, then you are ruining her meta game and therefore must be destroyed. Absolutely. That's, that's it in a nutshell, where the big element of uh, experiences in the domain, like, yes, you can go through the entire domain. You can go through... Um, the whole city, which comprises much of the domain, the the city of Porto Lucine. Um, And you can have various adventures, but everybody there is putting on a show. It's a deeply impoverished setting, but everybody is playing like they're, you know, we're, we're fine. Oh no, we're just slumming it tonight. Or, you know, we do this ironically, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then it always culminates in these gala events where you're actually put face-to-face with the biggest faker, but also if you are exposed, she can flat-out annihilate you. Wow, yeah. I, I I like the modern themes there of, you know, how we present ourselves on social media versus uh, how we are in, you know, pandemic times. <laughs> well, you know, there is a lot there that I think, you know, goes beyond just the the medieval or, you know, post-medieval monarchy setting that Dementlieu is is ostensibly about. I mean, I think that you see this throughout not just horror stories, but you also see this throughout um, 
throughout fairy tales, throughout folk stories like this, where it's like there's a thousand different tellings of Cinderella, um, which get from, you know, some some more child-friendly versions, but then, you know, some versions which are much gorier and they evolve over time. And in that same sort of tradition, we have a domain here where at one time it was very effective for a certain type of horror, but then in 2020, it has evolved to be a very different take that I'm hopeful will be more resonant with a modern audience. Yeah. So um, beyond the Dark Lord, what other uh, uh, characters or um, scenarios would be in Dementaliu that uh, uh, people will be getting here in, in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft? So one of the interesting things with Dementaliu is that we contracted the domain. Um, Dementaliu used to be a number of cities and a countryside and so on and so forth. We have narrowed the entire domain down to a single city, uh, the city of Porta Lucine, which is the capital where many of the, the richest um, members of society are. It's a urbane place, like high high politics, high scholarship, but also high poverty. Mm. So it has this sort of, um, you know, <laughs> almost... Is, is there a clarinet playing in the background uh, in this city? Uh, <laughs> you guys might hear that. Lots of music, lots of <laughs> art. Um, like, there's even, like, a uh, a wax, a creepy wax museum. Elements like that. Um, but, so we've narrowed the, do the domain to this single city, People still talk about there's other parts of the domain, like, oh, there's the city of, or there's the town of Chateau Faux over there, or I come from so-and-so. They're all made up. They don't exist. There's just the mists beyond the city. So even the domain itself is to an extent a lie. I love Oh God, that's so creepy to think about. And I, you know, there's this idea of uh fairy tales, and you know, we mentioned how that's been. Uh, very kid-friendly in the past. Uh, and somehow when you take those kid-friendly images and creepify them, it makes it even more terrifying, right? So there's part of that involved. You mentioned them with the Wax Museum, but there's also what, what types of horror elements uh, will people be encountering in Dimensional You? Well, I mean, a perfect example of that is like any good fairy tale, you need to have a fairy godmother. So there is very much a, there's a uh, area in here called the Three Odd Gables, which is just three creepy houses that are outside of town, which are pretty much the home of three creepy old hags. And if you want to, if you get an invitation to Duchess Dion, Duchess Dionere's gala, you don't have anything to wear. How could you possibly like pose as one of these, these important people? Um, you can go to the three hags here, you can make a deal with them and they will fairy tale, fairy godmother you up. Um, but by the same token, you are still dealing with hags and you're getting yourself, you're perhaps making a bargain that you won't be able to, uh, to pay off if you even manage to survive the, um, the gala itself. So it's one of these escalating bad situations like, do we do we deal with the gala? How do we deal with this horror? Oh, we survived, but now we're indebted to this other group, so on and so forth. So, wow, 
if you continue lying, if you continue posing, you're just getting yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. Tell one lie leads to another. <laughs> I am creeped out already. And, you know, I'm thinking of the fairy godmother scene in Cinderella, uh, uh, of course. And, you know, as a child, I, it's always it's played up for for isn't this amazing magic that's happening in front of you? But, you know, if you really think about the fact that, you know, these these animals are being transformed into human and how they act and, and all that way is like, that's actually really a creepy idea. And yeah. I love that this domain is all about playing with that and how, you know, perhaps they're not willing recipients of this transformation magic. Absolutely. And the whole domain is spun in a way where if you want to play this as a very like the predominant population is humans and you have this like political game that's being played, you can absolutely do that. But you can also look at more fairy tale elements. You can play up the fantasy of this and you can have like a diverse peoples you can have like you know drow nobles rubbing elbows with orc nobles and play up the and the fey elements of it and have it be a like a very high fantasy sort of element but despite all the whimsy inherent to that that only serves to further counterbalance the fundamental creepiness of it. So I love the idea of making this domain sort of like, you know, like the masquerade scene in Labyrinth or something Mm. like that, just as like, oh, this is whimsical in the creepiest possible way. So fun. Uh, Great. Well, uh, any other kind of uh, details about Dementally You that you'd love to to talk about in the story and... and, uh, you know, is, is are any hints on how to potentially deal with their dark lord? Well, that's really that right there is the thing that we focus on in uh, the domain write up. While every domain in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft gives you an overview of the domain, it gives you an overview of the dark lord, it tells you all about the adventures you can have there. There is usually one experience that's really focused on, and we drill down pretty deep on, so you're going to the masquerade. How do you get set up? How do you talk your way past the door if you don't have an invitation? What happens during the um, during the gala? What are the social niceties that you can get involved in? How can those go horribly wrong? And uh, this is one of the only domains that comes with its only its own specific box text for if Duchess Sadria calls someone else out, you have a little script for how uh, that goes down. That's fantastic. I can't wait to uh, see how that is dramatized in play. And there is so much fun stuff to play with there. And we're only scratching the surface of this one domain. And so there's multitudes available in uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which comes out on May 18th. And thanks, Wes, for talking through uh, Dementally You and all the fun, creepy fairy tale stories that D&D fans might be able to engage in uh, coming soon. Thanks for having me. Sweet. Did not disappoint. Isn't Wes just Never. amazing at uh, I love Wes. painting a picture of how to uh, bring horror to your D&D table? Not unlike our guest. I was going to say, funny you should mention painting. Yes. 
Because that's what our guest is known for. Well, let's get into One of it. The let's get V Muse on the line. Everybody, let's welcome V Muse to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Finally, <laughs> finally. I know. Oh my gosh, this is so great. I'm so excited for this. Oh, well, I mean, we have been waiting such a long time to get to talk to you. So very excited. Oh, that day has finally <laughs> come. Right? Oh, gosh. No pressure. Yeah. You skip no pressure. No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so folks will know you from, you know, uh, being very online and, and creating amazing stuff, uh, painting minis for, for years and years and years, uh, yeah. as well as being a TRPG uh, performer. But you're also kind of moonlighting as this uh, amazing... <laughs> Uh, uh, representative about uh, WizKids and the amazing minis that they've been coming out with. Yeah, that too. It's just, you know, a little bit of, you know, a few irons in the fire type of thing happening, but it's all a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. it for sure. <laughs> cool little side hustle you've got going on. <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously I can't complain, you know. No. I get to, I get to look and reveal cool things for people. So yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is, tell us a little bit about your role at WizKids. Like what is it exactly that you're doing there? Well, it's, it's actually a lot of hats. Um, so basically, it is getting word out about products. Um, so like a lot of the social media will be the stuff that I'm generating and getting out there on social media, um, doing the streaming, which is, you know, mini mayhem that happens every Wednesday and helping make sure other things get going for streams as well. Um, it is contacting other influencers and media sources and letting them know about projects and getting collaborations together. Uh, it's other stuff like, you know, checking copy, writing copy, like there's, you jump in and you do a lot. It's a lot, but it's, you know, it's constantly changing and shifting and you put one thing down and something else comes up and you jump into that and then you put that one down. So it's, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you busy. It keeps you um, definitely uh, looking into a bunch of different things at the same time. So, I mean, it's cool though, because you find out all this stuff going on and, you know, it's, it's just, I get to share my love of minis with people and get paid for it. So that's can't exactly complain about that part. Yeah. When you yeah. were like as a hobby, you know, a, hobby, a mini painting hobbyist, did right. you ever think like that I could get paid one day to do this or to work in this industry or to that this is a job? I mean, this was yeah. like a hobby. It's, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, the whole thing started off as a simple little lark. It's like, I have always been a person who's been crafty. Um, you know, even as a child, it was painting this porcelain figurine. It was building this little dollhouse feature and everything like that. And then when I found out that, oh wait, tabletop terrain is a thing. Then it was like, oh, I can do this. I've been doing this stuff and just having fun with it. And then people wanting to find out how I went about making things. That's how the whole YouTube channel itself got started. Um, because someone said to me, who used to be a teacher, can you show me how to do it? Which of course is going to be like, oh yeah, I can definitely do a lesson plan. Let's do that. Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, no, I, none of this was ever intentionally planned or like my target. So the fact that I'm here, I'm kind of like, wait, this, 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 oh yeah, this, okay. Hi. So I'm thrilled with it. Quite frankly, it's amazing. It's, I mean, I think that's a, uh, uh, common occurrence within the TRPG space where you're like, man, I'm just doing this because I'm passionate about it and I really, really love it. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, those skills uh, and passion transfer over to, you know, an actual position? Like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. Maybe it's just you and me. I don't know. But <laughs> that's, 
It's happened uh, to us for sure. And I just have to say one of my favorite parts of D&D Live last year was you being able to reveal so many of the amazing uh, dragon mm-hmm. minis. You know, yeah. our, our, our chonky boy, uh, uh, oh, Major Charlin, was They're my actually, favorite. They're literally both staring at me right now. I know. <laughs> you're just, are you just sitting well there too, surrounded by cool minis? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's about 20 dragons in my room now. Like, just sort of positioned in various areas. So, mm-hmm. just in case you need them, you know, you never know just, when they're going to, you know, attack. guarded by dragons. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have, <laughs> yeah. you know, I am the, well, it was joking. I'm the mother of dragons, but it turns out I might be becoming the dealer of dragons, apparently. So, <laughs> it's, what's it either works. Purveyor of dragons. That purveyor. Has a nice oh, I like that. I like yeah. Purveyor. Purveyor is a good word. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were joking around about a trench coat and hiding dragon. I said, only if it's a trench coat of holding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would need a pretty big trench coat to uh, hide Mm. the one that you revealed recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she's not small at Mm. all. No, no, but that was a fun one. That was, um, you know, in case someone missed it, that's Tiamat that we're talking about. And it is the gargantuan Tiamat. That is going to be coming out in September. Uh, So she has been something that um, I've been working on and we've been sitting on the WizKids has been sitting on for a little bit to get ready and everything. And thankfully, IGN was absolutely fantastic to work with and got the announcement out for us um, and shared the news. But she's going to be a good sized critter for sure on the table. I mean, her dimensions are ridiculous. And uh, jokingly, we call this V scale. Uh, so if in terms of like her wingspan, I don't even know what's going to fit in the frame. Hold on back up a little bit. So like her wingspan is literally, I'm not kidding from here on me to the tip of my, my finger. I'm not kidding. Okay. So the, like pe- people who are listening, you're pointing yeah. to like your throat basically. Yeah. Basically center of my throat to the end of my arm. Um, she is my inseam in wingspan, which is about 30 inches. So it's like 29 inches is her wingspan. She is uh, a monstrous. I mean, when there's been she's, minis of her in the past, big. which have been you know much much smaller, yeah, you know, the larger, yeah, there's or, the, or huge yeah, the scale, tyranny but. of dragons one, and she's you you put the two together, and it's like you know big mama and you know mama's little baby. <laughs> when you put the baby two together now, exactly. But yeah, no, it's I mean, she's even bigger than Arviatarus because I was doing the measurements up against Arviatarus, and it was just like, oh, okay. There's, it's, she's going to be impressive. Oh my for gosh. For sure. And it's going to be a centerpiece of so many tables, I think. People, I know. Even if they're not using uh, her in the game, mm-hmm. they're just going to be like, all right, here's D&D about to begin. It's like, that's conversation piece. Like she really, like you're going to clear out a shelf. You're going to, yeah. or that, or just buy a whole new bookshelf for her. Yeah. <laughs> because A pedestal, perhaps. She did, yes. You know? She is worthy. That, that, yeah, a pedestal with like lighting, like cool effects, underlighting oh. type of thing. Maybe it changes colors. Depending on her mood. Oh. Oh, it's like a, yeah, right? Like you can get like an app for it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe like something like smoke effects too. Hungry. Man. (laughs) Like those Tamagotchi um, things you can, (laughs) your your Tiamat is thirsty. Tiamatagotchi? Tiamatagotchi? (laughs) (laughs) Your Tiamat needs attention. You have to play with her. Mm-hmm. Give her that humanoids to eat uh, in oh, order to geez. make her happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, schedule those just... rituals and everything. Mm, yep. Once a month meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep her happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Well, Dungeon Masters, I'm sure, are rejoicing all over the world when they saw that. I just want to be there when a Dungeon Master puts that on the table to their unsuspecting party. (laughs) Trust me, I can't wait until it's one of those things where I can, like, bring her out. I don't know how I'm going to physically do it. Like, I might be, like, a assistant for that particular stream. (laughs) I'll be your assistant. You know? You know? Hey. I love Tiana. on the table. Oh, I do, too. I am so excited for it. It's just loyal to her. Hmm. Happy thoughts. <laughs> so you've been, I mean, you know, have you always used uh, miniatures when you've played D&D? Has it been like a, a, a part of your fandom or is it something that grew over time? Uh, when I was brought into playing, yeah, it, it started off as like, um, you know, a couple things here and there, especially like, you know, the grid on the table and like little things that represented but then it started growing and incorporating more things and then discovering, like I said, discovering there was actually tabletop terrain that could be made to really enhance things. That's where it started sort of taking on uh, more of the collecting and building and creating factor. So it wasn't always like right from the word go, oh, yay, look at minis on the table. It was, oh, but that's another part of it that I really am interested in. Mm. Uh, so the two just sort of meshed and merged together into creating it. So... Yeah, now now it's you know safe to say when people come over, there's there's a tablescape and there's miniatures that you can pick from, and Ugh. you know I've had friends in the industry who've come down to the basement and they've seen the collection and I I lost them for like twenty minutes <laughs> just looking through the miniatures and everything like that. So yeah, it's 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 fun to be able to visually represent what's going on up in your head after a while. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's a whole other so. art to be able to figure out how to display them and mm-hmm. paint them, uh, right? So, I mean, so much of what WizKids does is uh, that amazing hand-painted look, but, uh, you know, a huge part of the fandom is meticulously doing that uh, mm-hmm. yourself to, you know, to find out what's in your in your brain, right? So, yeah. Yeah. What's, um, what's some tips for people getting into that side of it? Because I think... It's you know still uh, in the Venn diagram of fandoms. Mm-hmm. It's still not like the hugest part of D anD. d You know, it's, there's other right. properties that do that a lot more. So, yeah, what's oh, yeah. what? How, how do you get people into that fun side of uh, listening to a podcast, uh, perhaps, and and painting minis? Uh, well, when it comes to painting minis, I actually always recommend that you start off a little bit bigger. Like, start with a monster that you really like, or a creature that you really like. Um, because it's already something that you're interested in, but because they're not like the little medium size PC style miniatures, they're easier to paint. Uh, and then it's one of those things where you can tap into looking at various channels, either on Twitch or YouTube or what have you, and find someone or people whose techniques you're sort of gravitating towards or you find appealing to even just watch and listen to. Because chances are, if you're enjoying what you're watching, you'll enjoy the process of what they're doing when you go to try your hand at it. Mm. Um, You know, with my own mini painting streams and everything like that, I always encourage people, it's like, look, you can listen to what I have to say. You can take the tips that I have to share with you and put them to use, but don't just lock on to me. I always recommend check out various artists because you're almost doing yourself a disservice by staying with just one person when there's so much more out there, technique-wise, style-wise, approach-wise, that might click with you as your own artist, as your own person getting into things. Uh, So that's something where I always, right off the bat, say, like, definitely look at people, watch what they're doing, see how they're doing things, start with a larger miniature to make it easier on you with painting. 
Um, and even WizKids is getting into that now with their paint night kits. Uh, right. So it's, you know, it's basically, it's the monster with the paints and everything you need. And then there are tutorials oh. attached to it as well. Um, so those have been great too. And it's been fun seeing people turn those in. Uh, Cause I actually did the one for the ogre zombie. So I've been getting people who reach out to me. It's like, oh, I did the tutorial and look, this is what I did. This is the first one I ever painted. And it's so, so fun. God, I love getting the, this is my first mini. How did I do? And just like Aww. the glee and the excitement. And it's just like being able to show them, you did a great job. Um, so I love getting stuff like that. Like that's just fantastic. And uh, honestly, it's just, just taking the plunge. Just don't worry about perfection from the word go. Because no one is ever perfect with their first miniature ever. I mean, I still have my little first miniature, which was a um, like a little Hero Quest gargoyle figure, and the, he's he's janky, <laughs> but he's painted. <laughs> but you <laughs> but still like, have them too. I still have them. Yep, painted with like craft paints and everything like that. There is absolutely no highlighting. The eyes I didn't even bother with, but I can look <laughs> back at this little guy and be like, oh wow, I've I've come a long way. Yeah. Um, but he's what got me started. So it's one of those things where you know, just give it a go, see what happens, but. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely uh, a good life lesson uh, and a good dungeon mastering lesson, right, Shelley? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I actually I think that terrains and like that kind of stuff is very exciting to me because I love miniature things. I love like like a doll. Like I love little bits of furniture and little tiny yeah. sets and like just little yeah. things. So yeah. I like when people have really cool terrain and. Um, tablescapes that's very exciting to me and i think it also does a lot of work for the dungeon master too mm-hmm. um but i'm curious like if uh as i'm not someone who does really any dungeon mastering but when you is your dungeon mastering or is your storytelling inspired by the pieces that you create or is it the other way around that you have a story in your mind and then you build around that uh, I think it'd probably be more the other way around, less the terrain pushes the story. Because personally, as a DM, I always have the world um, built in my head first to the point where it's like I could tell you what the NPC's favorite food is. Oh. Um, I live in my world for the longest time before I actually will run the game. Wow. Um, so it's it's important to me to get that that land, that place established first. And then I'll go into actually building the sets and what I need for it. Um, when I did D and D in a castle a couple years ago, and I hate to say that, but however many last, whatever the last one was, yeah. um, I had created. Um, it's basically one shot called Baby's Place, and it's essentially a 1920s speakeasy uh, where you're sort of jumping between planes and you go to Baby's Place. And so I created the world in my head first before I even started creating the terrain. Uh, but once I got it pulled together, that's where I started painting up the bar area, getting the layout pulled together, like all the little chairs got painted up. And, you know, the second floor had the beds and everything that I made and then taking old hero clicks miniatures to create the uh, NPCs that I would need because, you know, it's the 1920s setting. So I needed people who are like in suits and in, you know, like little not French maids, but made outfits type of stuff. Um, so it's once BB's place got established up in my mind, that's where I could physically create it with my hands and have this whole setting and layout ready to go so that people could interact and move things around and see it 
similar to what was in my head, obviously not an exact replication, but it was there and it was on the table and people had fun with it. So that's, that's really how it works more for me. I build the world in my head first before I let my hands do the building. That is super cool. I'd love to talk more about that, about you said that you live in your world for a long time before you, yeah. you play out the story. What, what, what's the process like? How do you get inspired? Um, it's, uh, it always starts with one character okay. for me. Um, Bibi, she was this prominent figure. She was, I was like, okay, here is this woman who knows what she wants. She's literally her own boss. Uh, she will kick down doors and do what she can for her friends. And so she started to grow. And I was like, okay, well, if she's sort of like this has her own place, what would that place be like? And then slowly it started taking shape in terms of, oh, well, you know, could be really cool. She had a place that was sort of like a safe haven for people who were of the magically inclined. And, oh, that's kind of like a speakeasy. So it literally started with BB. And then from BB, things feathered out. And it was even like, well, okay, so she has a speakeasy. That means she's going to need a bouncer. And that's where Sebastian came about. And Sebastian's this half-orc, you know, stands at the front door. And he's very, you know, very <laughs> succinct. And he has to talk to you and everything like that. And, you know, it just, it grew from there. It's sort of, um, it's it's like this little pinpoint of light that starts in my mind with just that one character. And then it feeds out to other aspects. And it grows from there. So it really does become like it's, I mean... It's almost like I could jump back in and be like, oh, yeah, so, you know, you had Sebastian and Evie, they went out last night, and this was happening over here. So when people are like, hey, let's do a game, it becomes a very easy pickup game for me because it's still constantly evolving, and I'll still mull over things that could potentially happen as another round for the game and everything like that. So it's definitely, that's my process. Uh, and the same thing happened with uh, Tales of the Old Margrave when I did uh, The Last Air for Cobalt Press. I mean, they gave me the module to work with, but I was also given the um, make of it what you want. And I actually carved out this little section in the Margrave, um, the Grove of Eternal Autumn. And that became its own culture. It became its own back background and lore. And again, more characters. And it's just, I love visiting these places when the time comes to run a game for people. Do you do that type of thing where you like, whenever you have downtime or you're waiting uh, for something in your life that you're just like, hmm, well, now's a good time where I can go visit BB and start to think about, you know, stories <laughs> mm-hmm. and things that, you know, you can, you can I, spring on I, your players. I really do. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, um, you know, friends are like, Oh, we should play a game sometime. And that's sort, sort of like, I was like, well, it could be another fun scenario to do for a game. Oh, that could be really cool. Uh, and then just kind of get lost in the, the brainstorming of the next encounter and like, Ooh, what if we got a new character in there to kind of like throw a curveball at people who might've already been there to play as it is. And, it's just fun seeing my friends interact and react to what's there uh, when the time comes to run the game for them again, especially when they've been there before and they've been familiarized familiarized with everything or what they thought was everything that they knew about it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's constantly evolving and growing and changing and new things are brewing. It's just a matter of when I can get it out there for everyone to enjoy. And that's been tough with uh, <laughs> with this pandemic happening, right? So Online is a much different animal uh, in playing. I, you know, obviously many folks have jumped into it, myself included. But I've always tried to, I try to pre- preserve that wonder of looking at minis on the table mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that you were talking about earlier, and you can kind of still see it here behind me. I still have yeah. the setup of, and then I set up ca- cameras and everything so that it feels like that. But yeah, I was wondering if you had any, you know, thoughts about how to, 
you know, still have that those miniature realistic scenery moments while not being physically in the same place. It's funny because when I DM online, I'm theater of the mind. Interesting. Mm. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm very much the dichotomy of if you come and physically are in front of me, I absolutely will use terrain. But when it's set up through like, you know, Zoom call or what have you, I go into theater of the mind uh, because I love describing things and explaining how everything works out. Uh, but uh, that being said, oftentimes I'll get maps set up so that I can show them the maps. But it's not just, you know, here is the floor plan. It is here's the rug with the sete with the this and the that layered on top of each other. I, I kind of go into because my mom was an interior designer. So oh. for me, I revert into like her plans. Like she would leave them scattered on the dining room table all the time and I would see them as a child. So for me, my maps go towards what interior designers do. Oh my um, gosh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I take it down to like, there's there's a map that has a table with a doily and a candle. I'm not even kidding. Wow. What does that so doily do mean? That. <laughs> well, I mean, you could pull it and you could use it to blindfold someone. You know? <laughs> or maybe it was the grandmother of one of yeah, the characters. Like, a like, a doily on a table says a lot about the person who lives there. Like that seems mm-hmm. like it's a very simple thing, but I, I feel like There's a lot behind you've it. given me a lot of information about the person yeah. who lives there. Yeah, so it's like I'll I'll um, use those maps instead of my terrain setup so that people can still interact with the terrain even though it's all like you know two D flat upon itself. So that's kind of been my compromise. Yeah. So it sounds like you're a DM that preps a lot. Is that is that true? I prep a lot ahead of time and then I go complete improv. That's the way to do I it. I will have a basic you know these are the high points I want to hit by the time the campaign's done. But I very much will feed off what my players are giving to me and weave the story together because I love seeing what they have to contribute and what they want to add into the story and work with that. Um, so, yeah, it's I will do a lot of prep before everything. And like the first few sessions, I'll still do a lot of prep, but usually by the fourth and I get a better feel for how everyone's playing and what they're doing with their own characters. That's where I'll sit back and be like, OK, well, I know I want to hit this, this and this. Let's see how we can get there. Um, so for me, it's very much the, okay, well, they didn't go in that direction like I thought they would, but I can still sort of shift gears and move and do. Uh, so it's a lot of thinking on feet type of situation, but I love being able to do that because for me, it makes it exciting. It makes it fun and it makes them feel more involved and very much a part of the story. Yeah. I mean, it would make them, it makes them feel like the story is unfolding that, yeah. yeah, like they have agency over it and not like when being yeah. railroaded into oh, yeah. I going mean, here um, and doing this thing. Exactly. I, like I had an encounter planned where they were going to fight a keg mimic. A keg it, mimic? A keg mimic. A keg mimic at BB's. Instead, uh, the cleric ended up with a keg familiar. <laughs> oh. Like the dice, the dice were absolutely working for him. I was dying. I, this, like, this is so not what I intended to have happen. But this is supposed to be like this big like battle fight and everything like that. Uh, but no, he tamed the keg mimic and it, they got a leash for it and everything. And they named oh. it Ginny and stamped on the side was eight, six, seven, five, three or nine as her serial <laughs> number. I mean, it turned into this fantastic part of the story. And then Ginny, the keg mimic was following Timothy, the cleric around and he was trying to train it to be nice. I, it was just, that's, it's stuff and like you, that. That's stuff that you cannot plan. 
in advance. No, <laughs> no, but it made it so unique and so special. I'm glad that wasn't planned because mm-hmm. it was so much better. Like it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'll roll my dice. You roll your dice. Let's see what happens. He got a nat 20 on an animal handling and I rolled a two. So okay. I was like, this is supposed to happen. So yeah, you have a pet mimic. <laughs> I fully intend this summer when we're all vaccinated, I too will have a keg familiar. It is a lot of fun. I mean, I I played it out so it like walked like a bulldog because I was thinking like how would something take a wonderful visual? Yeah, so it's like you know this hulking thing. It was just kind of moving around, shoulders hunched over. It was great. It was so much fun. (laughs) Jenny, the keg familiar. Now, if only could also deliver beer too. Like that would be you know. That was the debate. I'm like, I was like, we're not going to get into the bodily fluid debate. Let's just kind (laughs) of. Smart, smart thinking. I'm, I'm sure at the table it was discussed. <laughs> oh, yeah, behind the scenes, like, let's just treat it like this is an animal that looks like a keg. It's not actually a keg, and we just know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so, are you, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about dungeon mastering. Like, are you uh, that primarily, or, you know, do you, do you play? How, how does that work? I am more often player than I am DM um, because of time. So mm. if I had more time, I would love to DM. I absolutely adore doing it. It's just, it's such a time sink for me that I want to make sure I can carve out the time to do it and to do it to, uh, you know, the quality I'd like to present to my players as opposed to let me just quick slap shot. And yeah, this kind of works. Um, so there, you know, there might be something floating around uh, down the line in the future. I can't quite talk about it in full yet, but there's another chance that I'll be back in the DM seat. All right. Which I absolutely love. Um, but right now it's mostly um, regular player on uh, the Dawnbringers, which is over on Mini Turn Domain every Thursday, uh, where I play Cantrail, my bard ranger, and she is like my absolute love. She's truly one of my favorite PCs. Um, and then I'll do uh, guest appearance player spots on various other games and channels and things like that. So you'll see me more as a player right now than as a DM. And there's one of those that just aired last week, right? Yeah, there was. Tell us about that. <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, that one, I'll, honestly, this one is one I have been absolutely jonesing for because um, my college degree is in English, but it was Victorian Gothic. So oh. <laughs> uh, when I got approached to see if I wanted to be a guest player for this and I was told, oh, you know, it's Van Richten's. I'm like, oh, Hi. And then told Horror Gothic, I'm like, yes, what are we doing here? (laughs) Uh, So B. Dave and I chatted about it, and he thought it would be fun to have me come in um, right out of the bat as uh, this particular character to play out. uh, Because it's one of those things where she is um, going to be sort of this impetus for the other characters. So it's, it's, you know, going into it, it's like, oh, okay, so she's going to be fun to play. And, you know, just kind of get a taste of her uh, because it's one of those things where uh, (laughs) you're going into it knowing that you're going to die in the first episode. (laughs) But still, um, there's reasons for it. And I'm eager to see how everyone takes to it and plays it out. But, you know, basically, it's one of those things where Nika is, uh, you know, this, this dichotomy of she wants to be there for everyone but she also is a very strong personality, which was the appeal for why I was like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested in playing out this 
this PC because she's similar to how I play a lot of my other PCs. And I think that's why I was approached for it because Cantriel is a very much take charge. She will do what she wants. She's like, yes, fine. Let's just go. We're done. Um, and same thing with BB. She's very much, you know, this is how things are done. This is how things are going to go. Uh, try and challenge me on it. So it's going to be, I'm very excited to see how, what happens with her from this past episode feeds into what they're going to be doing for the rest of this series. Because just from what I'm getting as, you know, guest player, it's, it's honestly phenomenal. Uh, what everyone is putting into their characters, what B. Dave is putting into the story that he's got plotted out. It's, it's really cool. And the fact that it's taking place with Ravenloft and feathering out into all the other domains. And it's just like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm thrilled. Like the little Victorian Gothic freak who loved her books like, you know, Frankenstein and Jekyll and Hyde and Dracula and Lady in White, like all of those, I'm just like, oh my God, this is just amazing. So yeah, that that's something that I was very excited to be a part of and uh, be able to dip my toes into as well. And now you it's can say be... you used your degree. Yeah. Done. I can. The same thing. <laughs> Actually, no, I have been using my degree this whole time. That's the funny thing. It's like, okay, so um, yeah, I'm just telling stories. Yay! Yep, yep. <laughs> That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, B. Yeah. Davis. English majors is of the world special. unite. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be so cool, and I can't wait to see it all pan out now. I know now your character started. had such a, a an important part in that story. It's really yeah, it, it's, it was it's cool to see what happens. Yeah, it's neat when it's like, oh, so this is this okay? It's it's a it's a pivotal. Okay, let's do fun. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for everything that's going to come with it, and so. So you are you a horror to, fan in general, uh, other than Victorian horror? Like, are, are you excited <laughs> to branch into the different domains potentially in there? Oh, I would love to. The funny thing is, it, I've always been one of those people who loves, like, psychological horrors. Like, play with the mind. Like, please, mm. absolutely. I want, like, the creepy shadow skittering across the wall. I want that sound that did everyone hear or did no one hear it. Yeah. Um, I want the whispering voices where people are hearing different things. That's honestly why I like the Margaret so much. But uh, it was one of those things where it's just, um, for me, I love everything except for actual zombie films. Like, I don't like excessive gore and zombies. Mm. But yet I love the horror background of it all. Um, so yeah, it's it's reading through it and seeing everything that's going in there. Oh, it's yeah, the little dark side of me that rarely gets to come out and play is loving what's in that. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Casting some dissonant whispers on you there. With... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You, often the anticipation of something scary happening is scarier than the thing mm-hmm. itself. So, oh, well, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Get, psychological. get the build up going and then it's like, boom. like not the jump scare thing, but it's just like, no, not at all what you thought. Uh, the turning of the tables is it's such a fun little element that you can put into play and watching the reactions too when like the look of horror comes across their face like wait a minute what is just what i love that part that part i was like yes have you run a lot of horror in your or added elements of horror in your campaigns um less horror and more um anticipation Mm -hmm. and fear Mm. uh i used baba yaga as a pivotal piece in uh, one of the other games that I ran. And the whole time the party is convinced she is out to get us. She is going to harm us. She is going to do no good. We have to fight her. She is the baddie. We're going to have this major battle. And the very last episode, it was they go to her hut and she's like, you know, they sit down and we're just going to talk things over. 
because it turns out she had actually hired them. They had been working for her the entire time. So nice. just watching that all pan out, I was like, hmm, hi. <laughs> but it was it's it's little twists like that, that I like to incorporate into the games and the campaigns that I'll get going for people. That's like opposite horror. It's like, oh, you're going to have the anticipation. Oh, by the way, you've been, you know, uh, uh, ho- hoodswinked the entire time. Yeah, yeah. It's they almost they almost get their own paranoia built up, and I'll feed into that paranoia. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. So that's where you, okay, yeah. Let she's absolutely horrible. She's wretched. She she's menacing, and she's you know giving you these don't you dare cross me things. And then by the time you're like, you know, weapons up, literally weapons up to fight, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. We need to sit down because I'm almost done getting this pulled together so you can go and do what you need to do. Um, so, yeah, it's just, and just watching the reactions, it's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So you mentioned uh, uh, a little while ago that you were working with uh, Cobalt Press and they've got an amazing uh, Vault of Magic uh, coming yes. soon. And you, you designed something for that, right? Yes, um, they actually got a collection of magical items from me, uh, again, based off of The Last Air. Since I ran, it was a two-season campaign for them, and I had created for my players um, at various points different magical items just because I like to give gifts as a DM. Aw, It's like, oh, I'm having fun with you. Here's a present. Um, (laughs) So uh, when they asked if I'd be willing to chip something in, I said, well, I mean, I have all the stuff left over from The Last Air, not left over, but from The Last Air, any interest in those? And that's when um, they are, they were kind of like, oh, well, could we do this as a collection then? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So sat down, sort of recalibrated a couple things and uh, gave them seven items to include into the Vault of Magic. And I can't wait to see what comes of it because it was just, it was fun little things that were inspired by each of the characters. And now to know that they're going to have some, you know, oh, longevity and the ability yeah. to get used is really kind of awesome. The legacy lives on. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Definitely. Yeah. Can you preview any of them for us or is that too spoilery? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things I've did off the top of my head. So, uh, one of the things that I loved was the uh, Valkyrie's Bite. And it was a sword that I, cre- well, it's actually a scimitar that I created for uh, Stonefly Kai's character, Zira. And Zira uh, had a sword that she carried that was her brother's sword and she would use it in battle and everything like that. And the way Kai would describe her, um, action sequences, I like to call them. It was very fluid and almost ballet, like, you know, I'd swing my sword around and I spin and I dodge down. So it had like this almost ballet-like quality to her descriptions. And because of that, I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if Zira, her character, got a sword or something to sort of commemorate how far she's come from the beginning to where they ended up. And so I created this scimitar that, um, you know, it's a black steel blade. It has an amethyst in the pommel, and it's one of those things that gives um, extra damage. Uh, But it also has this very uh, faint purple glow to it. So it's like a 10-foot faint purple glow that's just, whenever you're using it, it's there. So that I was picturing that when she's moving this sword around her character, you actually see the arc and the motion of the sword happening because of the light trail. Uh, So that was something I created for her character, specifically because of how she would play her character. So that's that's one of the things that'll be in there. <laughs> Purple light is always uh, yeah. amazing too, because you just you feel it feels very fantasy like. Uh, and it's just and, uh, it was it was just a cool effect that I thought would be something fun to add and feed into the weapon to make it her own. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was one of them, and everyone got something uh, specifically to their own little uh, not their little but their their own characters 
Um, there's the clockwork hair one, which is, it's basically, it's sort of like a stop time type of thing, but I gave it to a player who was actually having to step out for a period of time. We didn't know how long it was going to take. So in game, his character got, um, this little clockwork hair where it would stop time for an hour and they would be able to do what they need to, to catch up and everything like that. Uh, obviously, I fine-tuned it more when it came time to put it into the Vault of Magic. But for me as a DM, it's like, well, I want to give them a chance to be able to jump back in. And, you know, kind of someone had said it's like, oh, it's like the Zach Morris saved by the bell, like, you know, pause time and run around <laughs> and do your thing. Um, so kind of give them that chance to do what they need to do before they join the rest of the party again. Uh, so that got tweaked a little bit. So it's like, like you can still do it. Uh, it's only like a, I think I gave it 30 feet. And if you interact with anyone else, like if you touch someone else, it'll like break the the spell and you won't be able to have that pause time anymore. But it's just, you know, an opportunity to do something without being able to go around like, you know, take or kill anything like that too. Because, you know, that's that a lot a of time OP. to do something with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so just things like that. Giving little gifts to players in, you know, nicely designed magic items. Yeah. That's such a beautiful way to think about it. I think there's this adversarial relationship that some uh, players of D&D have with, with, with DMs and players. And I just loved mm-hmm. hearing so much more stories where it's this type of, you know, mutual appreciation and, yeah. and uh, love for, yeah. for the stories that you're creating together. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of it is because um, my DMing is influenced by the fact that I used to be a teacher. So for me, I see it as far more collaborative that everyone's at that table for a reason. And if I can guide and help and enhance what they want to create, then I'm doing my job as the DM. It's far less mwahaha. Um, you know, not saying that I won't kill off a PC if it's warranted, if that's what the dice are showing. Uh, but it's also, I, I love seeing what everyone wants to chip in and add to it. So it's it's definitely influenced. Like when I realized that DMing is basically creating lesson plans like I would as a teacher, um, I was like, oh, this is not as bad as I thought it was because I was a very reluctant DM. I fought it for the longest time. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was very stubborn. Like, I'm not going to DM. I will just be a player. Do not ask me to DM. Why did um, you not want to DM? Because I thought it was going to be a the lot amount of work. work. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be a lot of work. And then when I realized as I was prepping, when I finally said yes to it, I'm like, Oh, so this is what it is. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, it's definitely the, the teacher factor has fed into how I stylize my own techniques as a DM. Um, I'd rather people have their, I love to give everyone a little feature moment so they can shine mm-hmm. as a player. And, you know, again, to me, it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's community storytelling. So it's like we're building this story together. Yes, I will have the framework. I can give you the basically the syllabus of the campaign. Uh, but how you add into the rest of it, that's entirely up to each player. And how we work together is really how I approach it all. This is the curriculum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving these teacher analogies. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm not a, a teacher. I've never been a teacher. But I'm, I love the analogy of uh, prepping is, is like a lesson plan. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting way. Yeah, because yeah, you need that it. framework in order to, yeah. you know, because every kid is going to come up with a different answer or a Absolutely. different question and you have to kind of yeah. improvise uh, off yeah. of it. Styles. But you still have a, you know, here uh-huh. we need to get through these things for the day. And yeah. the same thing you want to get, I need to get through these events for the adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it's very, very yeah. similar. It, it's, it's basically, you know, my campaign notes are a unit 
And then each episode is a lesson plan. So it's, it's, they're very similar parallels. And quite frankly, because I taught high school level, like you have to think on your feet when you teach that age group. Like there's just no way around it because there's so many different personalities. So mm-hmm. that even of itself got me ready for the different types of players who are out there. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a very interesting discovery to be like, oh, so, you know, jumping back to what my degree is, it's like, yeah, I, I've definitely tapped into, you know, my post-grad work to get the education certifications. Like, oh, wow. Everything I've done in the past has kind of pulled itself together. And now it's in this lovely spot where I get to create stories and share interests and get people excited about, you know, dragons. <laughs> it's just, it's unreal. I like, it's fantastic. I love the idea also of a, a classroom kind of being like a a and d party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that you're, like you said, you're, there's so many different personality types, just like there's so many different player types, but... You know, kids learn in different ways. You have visual learners. You have kids that, you know, want to be talked to. Um, but just, you know, like, really being able to highlight their strengths, you know, and so that they're not focused on the weaknesses, but just, you know, we, you're, you're good at this. You're good at learning this way and, and really being able to, I don't know, just highlighting them in the, much the way that a dungeon master would with uh yeah with their party it's it's all it's all very cool the way yeah i've never thought about teachers and dungeon masters in quite this way before but there are so many similarities it's it's a cool parallel and um we were even joking around one time during one of my many painting streams like a monster high type of campaign where it's like literally instead of you meet in a tavern you meet in your homeroom yeah. And starting a campaign from that. And it was, you know, have it be not necessarily like, you know, your classic typical, uh, you know, fighter range or whatever. It'd be, no, you start off as like you have your different cliques of monsters. Um, mm. So it's like, I think it was the goblins were the tech kids. The <laughs> ogres were the jocks. Uh, cheerleaders uh, were your, um, what were the cheerleaders? I forgot what the cheer, but it, we were cracking up by the time we were done with that stream, just from like everyone getting into feeding in the different monsters that would fill the roles of your typical, not stereotypes, but the type of clicks you would find yeah, the, in high the school. Tropes. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe that might happen someday. Someday <laughs> I'll pull that one together too. Right, and then you'll have your um, uh, breakfast club moment too where they're all, you know, they're oh, stuck in uh, a detention yeah, from different yeah, groups. Yeah, yeah. And what do they do? <laughs> I love that, yeah. That yes, I want to see a whole, like, a John Hughes-inspired D&D campaign book. <laughs> That would, that would be, awesome. be fun. That really would be cool. I'm down. I'm down. Yep. Uh, I Definitely. even like you know the the miniatures to follow this analogy even more. The miniatures are like the transparencies that you would have, uh, or whatever mm-hmm. visual aids you'd have uh, oh, as totally. a teacher. The transparency. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Maybe that was dating <laughs> myself a little bit too far. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm not like, necessarily because like, I was is this still a using those. <laughs> oh yeah, my god! That like you'd that have anymore. to like. Remember the 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 machine that they had to like crank the well, yes. transparency paper and like, like it, yes. eventually it just was sheets of paper that they would put on the mm-hmm. projector. But mm-hmm. back in the right, older the older strip. days, yeah, yeah they had way, to like way crank back. it by hand. Yeah. Oh my god! And you'd, you'd, yeah, I want to be the person who can do the knob to and turn, turn it. Turn it, it, it back. Back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gen X, so fun! <laughs> oh, that's amazing! <laughs> what a memory! When phones had cords. When phones had cords or were, oh, yeah. you know, and attached dials. to the wall. Right? Oh, God. Right? And if you're good, you could, like, chase the dial ahead of time to, like, catch the number where you need it to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
to get your phone <laughs> number. Yes, but yes. not not to you could stop it from going all the way around if you weren't yeah. if you weren't coordinated. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah. yeah. God. And then you have to start all over. Mm-hmm. Remember busy signals? Oh, oh so oh, frustrating. God. I'm like, I just want to talk to my friend. You just want to call him up. Dial in? <laughs> God. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to ride my bike to their house. It's the only way I can get in touch with them. And I have yeah, to like exactly. Out. We have to like <laughs> talk to them in person. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and now people are like, I can't text you. It's too. It's too much work. Right? Yeah. Like, no, it's just <laughs> now everybody wants this face to face connection. We had that. We invented yeah. that. We invented right? that, and we invented Tiamat, <laughs> and Tiamat's coming. God, oh my God! It's always she, a good segue. Oh man. <laughs> really so yeah, you said September, uh, but September, I mean, yeah. I feel like. WizKids has been putting out so many amazing, uh, mm-hmm. and I keep using that word amazing because it is like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even yeah. know I wanted this. And here it comes again. This so what's uh, what's been some of the, um, you know, the talk, you know, obviously you can't tell us what's not announced yet, but like what are some of the talks about like what's coming that's 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 getting you excited and, and how have you enjoyed the response? Uh, definitely the fact that there's going to be some more cool dragons coming down the pipeline. Um, I mean, the adult blue is coming out very soon. Uh, the green is not too far behind, so green's coming out in the summer. Um, that's going to be another fun one to take a look at. And then, uh, you know, finishing up chromatics, which means going into metallics. So I'm really looking forward to metallics, like seeing those come to fruition as well. Uh, and then there's also, um, you know, just... just um, why am I blanking? Uh, miniatures in of themselves, like uh, various new uh, ones that you could use for PCs or even NPCs type of stuff. But the unpainted miniatures, there's some really cool sculpts that I'm excited to see and get my hands on to start painting, uh, as well as new sets. It's just because there are so many people involved who enjoy playing the game, a lot of thought is going into these miniatures now and how to make it a better experience as you play the game. Uh, like even the fact of the whole like clear base factor now, because now you can put these things onto your terrain and the terrain still shows through. So it's not like, oh, wait, we're in snow and this has grass. It's got a purple, you know, a disc on it that is, yeah. just happens to be uh, the yeah. size of the mini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that in of itself is a, is a cool thing to see pay, playing out. Um, so yeah, so what that's that's relatively new, right? That, that was the last mm-hmm. batch really that you've been doing, yeah, these. like over the past uh, year, the clear base thing. What was the, did you hear from players, or is that something that you were like, hey, as a person who uses this, I really think it's great? And then, oh, that I, come I, forward, I can't like, take no, I certainly cannot take credit I for that one. That. That. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> on the back. yes, it was my idea, dang it. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that was apps. I do that by the way, I'll lapse into voices. Uh, no, that was <laughs> something where as I started, those were starting to come out too. Uh, so it was when I got there, I was like, ooh, I was more like the giddy fan who was like, yes, this is cool. Um, but yeah, nice. that it's going to be fun to see more and more of that becoming the trend so that it's, you know, more integral and worked into each other. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. doing great work. So pass on, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, thumbs up from, from, from us, just that it's ah. really great to see the artwork that's in, you know, D&D books be translated into just, this yeah. 3D uh, you know, environment. It's oh, yeah. you know, as someone who is, I'm not a, a visual artist at all, but I, 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 I'm a lover of such things, and just I know that that's not easy to do seamlessly, mm-hmm. especially when like, oh, this is 2D art that doesn't show, you know, the butt of the dragon. What does the butt look like? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that's just it. We so often get like just like you know, sometimes it's just like the shoulders and up half yeah. the time. 
So to see, like, I mean, just with the, the Tiamat render of the spinning around, when I saw that, it was like, oh my gosh, a 360 of her? That was phenomenal to see. And the fact that someone sat there and actually gave this thought and put the concept from oh, yeah. what was on the page into what this is going to turn into. It's absolutely incredible to see, you know, 2D to 3D to in front of you. It really yeah. is. I mean, it's such a cool process. I think it was Nick Barletti that did that. The the 3D render around for, for Tyranny of Dragons, if I'm remembering correctly. So I'm so glad that that's yeah, he's, he's being a used. genius. Yeah. It's, it's fun to see this all come to fruition and everyone getting excited about it and wanting more of it for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I, there's so much to D&D between what's being worked on for future projects to what's already out there. It's something that the developers are very cognizant of and working on. And, you know, there's, there's cool stuff. I, I really like, seriously, there are some items that I cannot wait to finally be able to talk about because people are going to go gonzo for them. It's just, it's, if you love oh, D&D, you're going to love, love this now. stuff. It, it's like, mm, it really well, is yeah. great. And I, and I love that you're also, are, you know, you and WizKids are, are, are pushing this thing that like, you know, D&D is performance, it is game design, it is uh, this collaborative storytelling, but it also has elements of art and, mm -hmm. you know, sculpture and all of these yeah. other things that like, you know, you, a D&D player can interact with as much as they want or as little as they want. And mm -hmm. I love that it inspires people to get outside of their you know, norm of, hey, I just, I, yeah. I go to work and then I play D&D &D yeah. online and then, well, but no, but there's so many other parts that you can bring into it, you know, the singing, the performance, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And um, I love that WizKids is just, you know, giving the inspiration with these paint kits and things like that to, yeah, to branch out. Absolutely. I mean, geez, you want to come and paint with me? Seriously. <laughs> I, I can give you each a paint kit and you can come and paint with me because we're going to, you know, try and do some painting streams with these things if you want. Just saying. I got a dire troll right here ready to be painted. <laughs> Uh, I'm in. If you want. I mean, I'm in. People's, the people I know who paint minis say it's very relaxing. It actually is. There is this beautiful thing called the Zen that you'll hit really? when you really get into, oh God, yes. It is, it's like you hit this moment and I've had this happen so many times when I've done um, painting classes and stuff at conventions and everything like that. Um, there's this point where I know that the people are all painting and you can actually hear, it gets very quiet and you can hear like people rinsing their brushes. You can hear people brushing the paint off on their paper towels. You can actually hear people breathing. And it just has this beautifully quiet tone to it. And it'll happen. And when it happens, it's just like, I will stop. And I just kind of enjoy the sound of it because you're taking in all these little quiet sounds, but you're realizing that everyone's doing something collectively and has hit that point of relaxed and focused and just doing their thing. And it is absolutely a wonderful thing to experience when you're the one who's kind of getting people to that point. I actually miss that point from the conventions. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back to doing paint classes again um, to get that level of just connecting with everyone and people learning and doing. And it's, I, know, I geek out over it, but there's definitely a Zen that happens with mini painting, even when you're just starting to get into it because you focus on something and it becomes, you know, this repetitive motion, but it's also because you see progress happening and, you're learning at the same time. It's a really neat combination of many things kind of getting meshed together. 
Yeah. So it's and fun. that concentration can, you know, yeah. hours can pass. And then you're like, yeah. oh, I was just in this flow moment uh, of creativity. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I know people experience that in different fields. And it's so great to be oh, yeah. like, oh, I can just do that with, you know, bringing this miniature to, to color life in front of me. That's um, just it. That's yeah. super cool. They go, yeah, they go from the little, you know, grayish white tone mini to this thing with color and life to it by the time they're done. So it's really a cool, cool thing yeah. to do. I imagine I'd be very more people proud should do it. My and I think so too. Shelly's going to do it now. I think she just said right. <laughs> okay, I'm not. A, I'm not artsy. That's okay. I, I don't. I, 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 I don't have either. artistic bones in my body. I will like, absolutely walk you through the whole process because that's sort of my thing. I will take beginner painters and get them going. Okay. I would do it. I would. I would, okay, cool. I would love to try it. I would. Yes, let's. We really should. Yeah. It'd be a lot of. Plus, it's like then it's like it's like chit chat and going back and forth. And how are you doing? And showing off what you got going. And if you could teach me, if I could emerge with something that looked decent, then uh-huh. you're a genius. You're a genius. Okay. Cool. Because Let's I, when I was in fifth grade, we had like a big brother, big sister thing with the kindergarten uh-huh. class, oh, and we would we would go down to the kindergarten class and they whatever there was like an activity planned and i remember my my little brother my kindergartner he uh-huh. wanted to learn how to draw a dog and i was like oh okay and i i tried uh-huh. and he made fun of it and he goes that's not a dog and then like oh. hit the pa- and i'm telling you that moment imprinted on me in such a big way oh no well i guess just not an artist and i probably like threw away my colored pencils and my crayons after that so yeah, no. I hope that kid's maybe, happy. Maybe you back into it. <laughs> Look maybe. <what> you did. <laughs> Let's go find him. <laughs> and force Disney. him to paint minis with us. I can still see his So we can face. catch up. <laughs> it's a very similar story to the near your your dungeon mastering story, Shelley. So I feel like you've got these uh I, imprinting basically moments I just that, can't take criticism. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we're working I just through all cannot of this. Take it. Uh, I think that's what we're learning here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> cannot fail, cannot take criticism. So I just just don't try new things. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Oh, you should try new things. That's what it's all about. You should try. No, I, I, I would. I, I admire people who do it. It looks, I mean, I just like to see their little paints all lined up on their shelves. And it just yeah. looks, I just wanted, I would love to do something cool and custom. So what if, what if we did the red slot together? Because, I mean, it's it's red. <laughs> oh, I, it's mostly yeah. red. So it'd be actually be a pretty easy one. Let's let's figure this out. I think it'd be fun. Okay, let's, we'll make right. it happen. I love let's, it. Let's, let's, I like it too. Talk. And I okay. love that this is you know this is this is you know, and in some ways your job now, V, is just getting like people like inspiring them and and bringing them in and here's some products that you can potentially yeah. use and yeah. you're doing no, you're doing a great job with it. It's it's nice when your passion gets to sort of feed into what you're doing as a profession. It mm-hmm. really is. So I'm Definitely. I'm all for it. But yeah, yeah, let's let's sit down and paint. We'll have some fun with it. Paint and night. How you do? Woo! Paint night. Yep, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned your your, your paint along on, on Twitches and stuff. So why don't you give us the whole uh, uh, spiel of where people can find you, you stuff about oh, you yeah. as well as uh, you know the performances and shows that you're doing. Okay. Yeah. How much longer do we have? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you have we'll put it in the seconds. show notes too, so yeah, people, people can reference it in the show notes. It's one of those things. Last time I did this, I was like, I have a lot happening. Sorry. Um, But in terms of the terrain building and the miniature painting, I have a video on demand library for my YouTube channel, The Crafting Muse. Um, So that's where you can go on there and check out videos that I've done in the past. And they're all tutorial based. You can do step-by-step follow along 
And that's there for whenever you want to have it happen. Uh, every so often, I will jump on and just do random live streams these days. I've been reading Grimm's fairy tales and then talking about how we can turn it into campaign fodder. Uh, so that's Ooh. been fun. Uh, so I actually need to pick back up and do another one of those soon because I locked onto this concept that kind of took on its own thing. And now I have a time well chronicles to work on with people for a world building stream, <laughs> um, different story. Uh, so that's just totally random, uh, that I'm going to tell you to follow me over on Twitter at the crafting news. So you can get updates as to when I do my impromptu live streams and everything like that. In terms of regular appearances, there is definitely, um, the Dawnbringers which happens every Thursday starting at 8.30 Eastern time over on Mini Train Domain on Twitch. And that is where I play my uh, Eladrin Bard Ranger Cantriel Cavatina. She is a smart mouth. She is sarcastic. She will not take any you-know-what from anyone. And she's just, I, I adore playing her. She's fun. She's my little bit of salty snark. Uh, and nice. then every Wednesday for WizKids, that's where I do Mini Mayhem, which is, it's a blend of unboxings, uh, updates about what's happening in the world of tabletop miniatures, as well as I'll do terrain builds using Warlock tiles, and then I'll also will do miniature painting of various uh, unpainted miniatures, you know, so I'll be doing one coming up soon and try and, like, rotate where it's, like, you know, Nolzers, so on and so forth uh, every so often. Uh, so that is every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch me there. And, uh, yeah, it's like I said, definitely find me over on Twitter because then you can find out when I'm doing the different guest player appearances too because I'm being approached for other areas as well, but time and place can vary and things like that. Uh, I will be doing Jasper's game day, have a couple games for that week cool. uh, coming up in Maine. Not in Maine, in May. <laughs> in Maine. <laughs> there's, there's can you tell I'm already like, planning a vacation? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I have a couple games uh, for that week too. So it's going to be a lot of fun stuff and bopping around and doing different things at, per usual, quite frankly. <laughs> nice. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah it does. Absolutely tendrils is. into all types of different uh, uh, fun stuff. So I love that. Yeah. And for sure, check out uh, your guest turn on Black Dice Society, which is on the D&D YouTube yeah. channel. Yep. YouTube channel so you can catch up and then you can watch it again and keep going with it because it sounds like they're going to do some really cool things with it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. No doubt. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for, for being on and, and uh, inspiring us. Yeah, and, you're uh, an inspiration we'll, for sure. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we'll get together and paint some paint some stuff soon. I'm yes. excited. I, I say we, yeah, we'll, we'll get the little, little red fellow going. <laughs> okay. I'm excited All right, now. cool. Me too. Oh, I feel inspired for all of the creativity that just kind of like exudes out of V, right? I'm so excited to paint a mini. Do you think she was serious? I think she's serious. I think we're like going to... she would really teach. We're going okay. to get learned by one of the best. And uh, I, hopefully yeah. we'll enter that flow zen moment because I think that's something a lot of people need right now. I think so too. And this could be just a, a very fun, relaxing pastime and i am here for it yeah i'm so excited yeah you can put on your favorite bachelor episode and just zone out just zone out oh that sounds that sounds like torture well that's how i relax anyway yeah. greg to the shrill sound of Table. 23 screaming single women <laughs> see what could go wrong all fighting over the same Potato chip. I thought of you yesterday, I, Shelley, because my did you? Uh, the people in my house were watching a show called Dance Moms, and it is oh. terrible because it, it is that, all of the things is. I hate about uh, uh, Bachelor style reality television, but with kids, with so children. It's, 
Oh my god. Yeah. Is it is it new episodes or is it the classics? I think they are oh, I don't know. I just kind of zoned out cuz I'm like, nope, I don't want to mm. pay attention to this. I'm going to go beat up some works in a video game. Uh, okay. So, yeah. that's what I did. Wow. Yeah, that that's um uh, I that's that's an area I haven't even delved into. Yeah. Soon, soon the, the sirens call of <laughs> <laughs> these fighting women will will bring you to their to their dark side. Anywho, uh, you can Woo. talk to uh, me about um, you know slaying orcs in a video game. Uh, I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I am at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to find out everything about what's going on in the world of D&D, you got a couple of great options. You can go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. You can go to DragonMag.com and get all the content that is on Dragon Plus, uh, which can be downloaded to your phones as well through an app on both Google and Apple's stores. And it serves up hot, fresh D&D preview, interview, creative adventures uh and content uh once every two months i was gonna say by bi-weekly but it's not it's bi-monthly yep. and uh the, you know tons of great stuff there uh served up free all the time and i want more people to jump into it and maybe just read my maybe. short story i don't know maybe there'll be more exactly. greg tito fiction maybe dharma fizzbottom will make her triumphant return uh, oh, I in hope a future so. episode, a uh, future issue of Dragon Plus, but uh, we'll see. Very excited about all well, that. So subscribe now so you can be one of the first to get that maybe if there was another installment. And speaking of, of uh, subscriptions, you can also sign up for our Dungeons & Dragons newsletter to get uh, mm-hmm. email information in your inbox. Stay in touch. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't like to get mail? I love getting mail and opening it up and seeing, oh, nope, I don't uh, need this bill for insurance from a previous owner of this house. <laughs> we still get those too. Yes. Why are you still sending birthday cards to these people? They haven't talked to you in eight years. <laughs> they haven't even updated their address <laughs> with you. They don't care. <laughs> well, that's a very, very true, but sad. Now there's like, I feel like there's a story there to be told. Mm, maybe. And speaking maybe of which... Quest. There is a story to be told with Drunky Two Shoes in the city of Watadeep. So uh, last we saw Drunky, uh, she had her belt pouch uh, pickpocketed by what appeared to be uh, a child, uh, an urchin in the city of Waterdeep, working in concert with another child, and you chased them down an alley. And there were three figures who were, oh, yes. um, uh, you know, about three and a half, four feet tall, each kind of hooded uh, with cloaks. And as you approached and said, hey, uh, one of them turned and immediately started changing shape. And their face looked, uh, after this transformation, exactly like Daryl's. And behind you, Daryl uh, is running up beside you. And it, says, wait, wait, what? What's going on? You tell me, Daryl. And so you're about 30 feet away uh, in an abandoned alley that's full of refuse. And you kind of smell the, the grossness of uh, what's going on here. But uh, the alley is a dead end with an uh, you know, eight-foot-tall uh, wooden fence at the end of it. 
uh, and these three figures are there, and the one that is turned and looking at you uh, doesn't say anything, but still kind of stands there, still looking at you, while the other two uh, immediately jump up uh, onto the fence and start to climb it to leave. Okay, I have no choice. I th- I think I want to f- to fire my bow. <gasps> All right. I because that's how drunky would would respond in this. All right then. So you're going to take out your bow and shoot at this uh apparition of your brother or yes. sorry, this figure that appears to be like your brother. Okay, go ahead. Yep. <gasps> a 21. 21. All right. So that mm-hmm. is a hit. Roll me your damage. As uh you take out your bow and you string it quickly and pull back an arrow and thunk, it shoots out and flies true and the uh, figure tries to move out of the way but is unable to dodge and it hits it right in its chest. Ten. Ten damage. Uh, so oh, it, stinks, it sticks in there and you see uh, uh, some fluid. You're not, you can't really tell a color or anything from where you are uh, coming from the wound. And... I'm running towards him. It draws a sword. We'll okay, that's up next time. Okay. What happens? Yeah. Very exciting. Yes. I like having uh, uh, one round happen each week. I think this is great. <laughs> yep. I, I, keep that story going. Awesome. Well, check back next week to find out what happens. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun.